Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. Thanks for joining in for Concept 27. I'm here with my friend, Justin Davis, and we decided to title this one, Encountering the Other. Justin and I have been friends for, I don't know, eight years-ish? No, yeah. I don't even know. Eight years now this year. So How yeah. do you know that? Oh, I guess yeah. based on when you came to App. When I came to App okay, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, thanks so much for joining me on this. I'm super excited to learn from you. Yeah, yeah, of course. No problem at all. And so what, what you have done in our eight years of friendship is finished undergrad. That I have, yeah. Then got your graduate's degree in what? Uh, theological studies. Right, so... Uh, that's going to carry some of that, you know, mm-hmm. you'll carry some of that into this conversation. Sure. And then, for those of you listening in Boone, you'll appreciate this. Loves Boone so much, had to come back. <laughs> yeah. And so, I'm, I'm, I was so excited to have you back oh, in Boone, just well, on a personal level. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, encountering the other, let's just start with uh, maybe a baseline of, more specifically, what are we talking about when we say encountering the other? Yes. So, part of my work when I was in grad school, well, both in undergraduate school and grad school, mm-hmm. was uh, studying this idea of, okay, who is the other and how do we approach the other? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, actually, my undergraduate thesis was on, um, I wrote about like horror literature as a sacred space and sort of uh, how we construct the other through um, sort of monsters within literature. Right. Um, right. And uh, so, because I, I did a lot of work in undergraduate on like peace studies and conflict resolution, and that's something that I continued to do in grad school as well. Cool. And uh, I worked, when I was up in Boston in grad school, I worked for an organization called the Pluralism Project, which uh, is helping to foster interfaith dialogue mm-hmm. and, and sort of uh, bring together people from disparate worldviews and uh, towards a common goal and towards building peace and um, sort of reconciliation. And I'm looking forward to, we're going to have an additional podcast after this podcast about pluralism and interfaith dialogue. I'm super excited about that. Um, Say, before we get into how we can encounter the other, would Mm -hmm. you just try to briefly, this might be hard because it's, you put so much time into it, (laughs) but this whole like Mm -hmm. uh, creating monsters that represent the other. Yes. Talk a little bit more about that, how that's happened in literature and in culture. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, if we look anything, so my particular focus within at grad school was religion, literature, and culture. Okay. And so that's one of the things I looked at were various tropes in literature, various uh, ways in which writers um, use language and use uh, these concepts such as the monstrous in order to convey certain anxieties, fears, and um, insecurities about, you know, it could be someone's own psyche, about society at large, about social conditions, um, yeah. and how we use these these constructs as defense mechanisms, and yeah. how. And so, my primary my primary uh, methodology is actually through the lens of psychoanalysis. And so, I use a lot of uh, theories of Freud, um, specifically Lacan is sort of my flavor of okay, psychoanalysis. Okay. If, uh, Can you try please? to, to yeah. let us know what psychoanalysis means? Yes. Uh, so one of the uh, big insights of psychoanalysis um, in the school of psychoanalysis is uh, looking at the role of the unconscious and yeah. how, uh, how the unconscious sort of structures the way we think about the world and how we think about um, our relation to ourselves and society at large and sort of uncovering those things that we tend to repress uh, within ourselves or project upon the other as well. Wow. So um, um, I think I'm hearing mm-hmm. something like 
that phrase that I've known for a long time is we fear what we don't understand. Yes. <laughs> and so it seems as if creating monsters would be mm -hmm. potentially our unconscious self mm -hmm. accidentally mm -hmm. creates monsters that are a response to what we don't understand or is it also consciously and we like mean to do this? Sure. I, I think it can be both. I think it's a both and uh, sort of answer to that. Because um, I think it can be done unconsciously. However, I think within literature, it's typically much more purposeful I see. Uh, when it's done in more that way. More of an allegory or sy a symbolic way of just saying what you don't want to say literally. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whoa. So. All right, so if you, let's try to define the other then. Would it be, right. would the other be someone that you don't understand? Or is it someone you're afraid of or different? How we define the other? Yeah, so for me, I, I would define the other, and this is other with like a big O. So if yeah. you know, you read things within this uh, I always this think context. of the others on Lost, on the island of Lost. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so the other is, I would say, anyone who, you know, thinks differently, who has a dis... A, a, Dif it, it, it can be something as simple as like you look differently than me you yeah. act differently you believe something different than me um but there's something about you that is that is separates you as that separates you from me as a subject and really in reality almost everyone we encounter in the yeah. world is an other the, um, i mean if we were to have a deep relationship with mm -hmm. everyone we would determine something eventually sure with every yeah. person <laughs> uh, all right so then i guess the next question is what does it mean to, in, what's the word encounter then mm. in that? So if we have the other, yes. someone different than you, mm -hmm. what do you mean encounter? Yeah, so encountering, um, I would say, uh, it, it's just how we interact and how we um, come to have dialogue with people who are different than us and people who uh, believe differently or act differently or think differently. Um, and so encountering is when we come face to face with another person who confronts us with uh, sort of an obstacle or a roadblock, okay. whether it be in, you know, the way we conceive the world, because we all have our worldviews. We all have yeah. our particular ways of seeing the world and living in the world. And so when we encounter the, an other or someone who is different than that, it is someone who challenges our preconceived notions of okay. the world. Okay. So mm -hmm. whether that be them meaning to or not, exactly. just that moment happens that mm -hmm. is like, oh. Yeah. It sort of disrupts. Disruption your, your is an set. encounter. Exactly. Uh, and how did, how do you deal with that? What do you do when that happens? Exactly. And so you have what we're going to talk about for the mm -hmm. next little bit is, mm -hmm. what is it? Four yeah. typical ways that happens. Right. And then a fifth suggested hopeful way. Sure. Will, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So walk us through that. Yeah. And so, uh, before I start, this is no, by no means something entirely novel or something that I came up with. It's actually, um, you know, I'm influenced by a wide range of people and, um, this, uh, so if you want to hear more about this or hear, you know, more in depth or kind of different perspectives on this, I would suggest the work of, you know, Peter Rollins or mm -hmm. Slavoj Žižek or Todd McGowan or, um, Anna Zupetnik, or uh, there's a bunch of other people who have written on this and who have, uh, sort of taken this and adapted it in various ways. So you've been um, influenced by some of those names. Yes. So what we're going to talk about is kind of, a, it's still kind of your, your, adaptation of of these sure it, it's things yeah it's these things um i think one of the people who is very influential to this is peter rollins um yeah. and uh he sort of has this framework but the way i take it and especially in relation to pluralism is sort of where oh and, i and, love it yeah the sort of way i take it too and especially um the ways we interact with our you know seeing the other but also the other within ourselves 
oh, and boy. something that we're going to get to. Yeah, we well. got to talk about that phrase. Yes, yes. All right. Um, so yeah. the four main ways uh, that we typically interact with somebody who is different than us or believes differently is the first way is that we can consume them. We can see them and be like, okay, in order for you to belong, in order for you to become one of us or like me, you have to believe this certain set of things or you have to act in this certain set of way. Um, basically, your identity has to be integrated into our identity or my Would identity. this be forced or... Uh, it, it could be both. So it, is this yeah. kind of what assimilation means? Um, yeah, it could be a form of assimilation, yes. Mm -hmm. um, of a way of like, okay, if you want to actually belong here, if you want to... You be, have to be one of us. You have to do this. You have to... Um, if and you these wanna... would be actions and or beliefs, yes, I guess, right? Yes, You know, uh, say, for example, you know, if you want to be... Uh, a Christian, you have to believe this set of things. If you want mm -hmm. to be, you know, a real American, you have to speak English. You know, it's that oh, sort I of, see. Yeah. you know, it's that sort of idea that in order for you to be one of us, you have, your identity has to be consumed by. How, us. how do you mm -hmm. think those things are formed? Those things being, uh, the, the set of rules within mm -hmm. that, is it, uh, mm -hmm. is it organically, mm -hmm. is it systematic? Hmm. Who 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 exactly is is deciding what has to like has to be assimilated to? Sort of, yeah, sort of these standards of assimilation <laughs> yes. you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that's often. Um, so, uh, say for example, of nationalism, and in order to become a true, uh, you know, American or a true German or a true, you know, French, you know, yeah. there's these different um, characteristics that we have of nationalistic uh, tendencies or net or. Um, the, these sort of signifiers that we have to abide by in order to then belong. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that uh, oft, more often than not, and this gets back into the psychoanalytic stuff, it's more than often uh, unconscious um, and mm -hmm. more often than not um, sort of a way in which we feel the need to belong to a particular community. And I think it's a natural human impulse yeah. um, and that in order to belong to... Uh, a community, we need to have similarities and we need to have things in common. And of course, that's not a bad thing. I'm not right. discouraging that. I think that's that's a good thing and that's a natural way that people connect. Mm -hmm. um, but it becomes problematic, um, and we'll get a little bit into this a little bit later, but it becomes problematic when we then take those identities or those signifiers mm -hmm. of identity and then... Um, internalize it and then fear or reject anything that is outside of it. Right. Cause the mm -hmm. premise of what we're talking about here is mm -hmm. not like, is it okay to all dress similar? Like, sure. It's, right. Although dress is certainly part of this conversation, Oh, for sure. but it's, it starts with what happens when there's an encounter with the other. Right. That's the foundation yes. of this conversation. Exactly. And so if it's the encounter with one option is mm -hmm. that sometimes people do is when encountering the other, you make them be like you. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's exactly. your arguing is mm -hmm. not ideal, right? Pro probably not the healthiest way. Yes, <laughs> right, right, uh, right. history tells us and is replete <laughs> with examples of ways that you know you have to become like me or else, um, and that or else is the second option right. getting to, um, which is expulsion, which is. Um, sort of, if you think about it as food as well, if you cannot consume a food, if you cannot, you know, uh, if some, it doesn't agree with you or it doesn't actually integrate into your body mm -hmm. in itself, what happens? You expel it. Yeah. Um, this is, this is mm -hmm. our way or the highway. Right. Just, yes. Like, you become one of us, us or you are not. Or get out of <laughs> here. Get out of here. Right. We exactly. don't want you here Yeah. Anymore. Go back to where you came from. Yeah. That whole sort of uh, thing. Or you're not one of us. So yeah. you're rejected from the social body. Yeah. Um, 
and I think that often comes as a result of the failure of the first of of the of consumption, um, and so that right. that is a way of uh, also I, I think is a way as we as human beings want to protect ourselves and protect ourselves from um, uh, you know what we think to be you know danger um, yeah. whether to our own physical being or to the social body. We're like this thing we value to be um, not beneficial to our social body therefore we must expel it we must get rid of it we must destroy it so therefore mm -hmm. maybe falsely thinking it's healthy right yes right because uh, if you use an example of mm -hmm. like with your body like mm -hmm. well don't we'll just don't eat that hell right. unhealthy thing then <laughs> right but but in this case we're talking mm -hmm. about human beings yes that are just different than you not mm -hmm. inherently wrong right. just different than you yes right, exactly right. and i think for a lot of communities as well that are so centered on a particular whether it's ideology or action or um i guess again in the case of nationalism when people are rallied around a central point and that becomes the sole focus of their identity that in order to maintain that community the outsider is needed to maintain that. that ha mm. You have to have someone who is outside of that social body in order to maintain that cohesiveness of the body. Um, so uh, you need a scapegoat that has, and that's where we get into the problems of nationalism. Like you see anti-Semitism and all that, that actually the, the, you know, fascists and Nazis need the figure of the Jew because the figure of the Jew is the one who, um, is disrupting everything that if only we could get rid of them, then the world would be perfect. And then so we your would identity have... becomes based on something that you're not. Yes. Becomes something you're not and something that you're rejecting or something that you're atta uh, attacking in a way. Um, and so, yeah, those are the first two ways that I think we encounter the other. And both of those I think are very unhealthy ways. Yeah. All right. So, mm -hmm. What do you, what do we do after that? So like, yeah, if we're not going to, yeah. <laughs> if there's not going to be a total consumption of mm -hmm. the other, thus forcing them to assimilate, so to speak, or mm -hmm. force them to be one of you and act like you and walk like you and talk like you. Right. And then so let's say that person doesn't change mm -hmm. and you're not going to expel them. You still mm -hmm. are kind of under the assumption that when I hear that, I feel like there's like a, a people group or a culture that's in charge of making a decision of what happens. Right. You can't yeah. expel someone unless mm -hmm. it's perceived that you're the authority. Right. Or that you're in charge somehow and that right. they're the minority of some kind. Mm -hmm. So what's what else is there? What's the what's number three? Yeah. So number three um, would be uh, what we see in typically a lot of more um, Western civilizations, or is the the theme, or within more liberal, I'll say societies, is okay. toleration. Okay. Um, is to tolerate the other. And in that this mode, it's... Uh, and it's actually one of the fundamental um, kind of principles of, you, th you think, the Enlightenment, uh, where, uh, let's say, religious toleration, mm -hmm. um, where you can have your set of beliefs and you can have your differences of opinion and beliefs and rituals or all these things, but uh, there's a separation between the p private and the public sphere. And in the private sphere, in your home, you can do whatever you want to do. You can pray to whatever God you want. You can worship whoever you want. You can do all that. But in the public sphere, when you're interacting day to day, there's a, sort, there's a different set of customs and social mores that you have to abide by that can exclude those private sphere lives. So it's Is like... It, does it go all the way to mm -hmm. having to assimilate publicly or... Yeah, it, it ends up becoming a way of like you have to assimilate to a certain way publicly, but uh -huh. in private... 
you can do whatever you want. And we're technically allowed to, but right. just not in front of me. Right. And toleration is more of, of a thing of like, well, we just won't persecute you for doing these things privately. You know, so it sounds can... like this is arguably mm-hmm. progress. Sure. But yes. not an ideal of civil of human civilization. Right. So it's, it yeah. is better to tolerate than to expel. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but not necessarily good though right because then it leads to people Mm -hmm. um having to have an aspect of their lives that they are not allowed to talk about or not Mm -hmm. allowed to show or demonstrate exactly and again we're talking about not inherent evilness oh we're talking about just otherness yes just difference right yeah right difference right (laughs) um okay so you have Mm -hmm. you have you can a a tolerance there Mm -hmm. so you have people groups that haven't assimilated they Mm -hmm. haven't been consumed right Mm -hmm. Nor are they kicked out, mm-hmm. allowed to be there. And if I sure. was in that category, yeah. uh, in some level in a civilization, I would think that I, well, okay, I'm not necessarily prepared to change. But in order to not be kicked out, sure, I won't talk about this about right. myself. Yeah. So therefore, I will. I would still feel like mm-hmm. out, an outsider, right? Even if I was allowed there, right? Exactly. Which does not seem good it seems lonely Mm -hmm. yeah and it can lead to a lot of alienation and it can still lead to scapegoating as well because you you still can tolerate uh, a certain person or a certain group but still hold hidden resentments against that group as well even though you might not act on it or the you can still be like oh those uh you know i don't care what you do as long as i don't have to see it but if if there's any sort of reminder if there's anything if it ever comes into the public public sphere all of a sudden, maybe you go back to expulsion. Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or forced consumption. Right. Yeah. And then it doesn't always work. And we're, and and we're back good. to square one. <laughs> and we're back right. to square one of hating the other. Exactly. All right. So is number? Are we moving towards number four? Is the the good one or not necessarily? Just the uh, yeah. next potential one. <laughs> right. And number four is typically seen as like you know if you the not height of progress or like the most woke or whatever, but it's, <laughs> right, right. you know, um, but the, the fourth way is, um, I, I need to come up with a term for this, but, um, okay. it, it's basically saying that, you know what, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. So let's just try to get along. And at the core fundamental of who we are, we're humans. So let's get along and just try to, um, uh, see what's similar between us and, uh, see what we agree with and, you know, have hold hands and you is go this, to the end of the is day. this a shallow sense of unity? I, I would argue yes. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. through how, how to title that in your chart. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Shallow unity or um, maybe like one fake one, unity. One word I've I've used is like capitulation. Mm. Maybe that's that's right, and I'm I'm not even convinced of that. But like, well, I think uh, like in order you're you're mm-hmm. avoiding dealing with the fact yes. that there's a difference. Right. Yeah, because they're in 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 this scenario, we're mm-hmm. saying it, the premise is an encounter with something where you realize this person is different than you. Right. So if that's the that's what's mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. you can't just pretend it's not happening. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe pretending that it's not happening and saying, mm-hmm. well, you know, at the end of the day, we're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. It's arguably healthier than forcing them to change. Sure. It's healthier than expelling them. Sure. It's healthier than technically tolerating. Right. Nobody wants to be tolerated exactly. in a relationship. Exactly. But you could argue is 
capitulating or going like, eh, we're pretty much, oh, you follow the same sports team as me? Okay, fine, we're all the same. <laughs> right. It's maybe better. It would cause less war. Sure. It would cause less heartache and mm-hmm. loneliness. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily bring us to a deeper sense of oneness and with the other either. Exactly. But but I guess it's... What are examples? I mean, I know that mm-hmm. this is a tough question, but sure. what, are, what are some examples of this capitulation? Yeah. Not just, oh, we're all humans. Sure. But what are some other examples of this? Yeah, so uh, I, I think um, part of my work working at the Pluralism Project um, is in our you know, motto there or mission statement is, you know, engaging the other or engaging, uh, uh, active engagement through difference. And I think that through difference is something that's very important there. And it's something on our pluralism podcast that we're going to do is something I'll get much into later. But, uh, I think that's an important part of it because I feel like in a lot of, especially more liberal Western, I'm using that in a very different, so don't sure. have red flags about, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, political sort of feel. Yeah, but in, yeah. the, in the liberal West, we tend to, um, w- when we engage in interfaith dialogue, we tend to um, just, each person comes to a table. So for example, uh, me as a Christian, and uh, say one of my friends is a Muslim. And we, we and if we're in the situation of quote unquote, engaging in interfaith dialogue, um, as it's, as it's most often practiced, is we come together and we say, okay, I believe these things. And um, my friend would say, okay, well, there's some difference, but oh, I also believe this thing. And, you know, the Abrahamic God as well. I just call him Allah, you know. Yeah. And then we go like, okay, well, there's a lot of similarities, more similarities than differences. And then we're like, okay, that's cool. We can hang out then, or we can we can form this friendship and we can form this bond. And we're like, okay, great. And oh, then we right. each and then we each go back to our individual camps and we're like, ah, oh, I did a great work today. And it's like, well, it is better than it's better consumption, expulsion, or tolerance. Yes, right, yes right. <laughs> it's better than a lot of alternatives. But at the end of the day, if we're just doing that, if we're only connecting to the other person through what we share in common. Um, again, I think that's a very human thing. I think that's a very, that's a way that we connect. Uh, that's one of the ways we make friendships. Of course, going out day to day. It's yeah, like, you like this food too? You like you this like food? The, yeah. Oh, you like this movie? We yeah. like, you know, um, that, that's a very natural way that for human beings to connect. But imagine having a friendship and that's where you stop. And all you talk about is the movies you like together yeah. or the, the similar music that you like. And the only time, the only things you talk about are the things you share in common. Um, how deep of a friendship, how meaningful is a friendship? And is, is there a shallow sense of unity? Right. Is it like we're, mm-hmm. we're pretending that mm-hmm. we're the same because we actually are in a lot of ways. And right. I, I think we need to oh, sure. acknowledge that that's a good thing, yes. especially in such a polarized world we live in. And Absolutely. it is, actually is a good thing to yes. say, man, I really am much more like this person than I ever imagined. But mm-hmm. I remember another time we were talking where you said, yeah. if you stop there, you only love them because of seeing yourself in them yes. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we're not loving them for who they truly are. We're loving the parts of ourselves that we see within them. Oh my goodness. So we only, we like, oh, I recognize this part of myself in you. Therefore, I love that part and uh, I can say I love you then. But it's not actually loving that person for all their difficulties and all of their... Yeah, holistically. You know, yeah. Holistically. It's just loving the parts. Oh, I see myself a part of myself in you there. And I'll love that. I'll love that part of you, which is really just a form of, you know, and it can be so many. Yeah. And it can be so many, all the, all of the 
reasons we refer to the other. Mm -hmm. We we find something that isn't other. Isn't other. Yeah. And exactly. And we go, I don't love the other then. Mm -hmm. I just love the non-otherness. Right. Which, Which can actually blind us to the the reality of it where at least in those other ones the differences are recognized and there is this like recognition of a difference and recognition of another whereas in these uh especially this last form it's it's sort of this almost self-delusion of a way of being like oh well i know i recognize difference when really we're just recognizing sameness and we're reckon when then we think that we're doing really subversive and you know uh, work, but um, on the other hand, and so so it's it, what what I'm seeing here is mm-hmm. progress of humanity possibly. Sure. So it starts with we're different. You have to be like me. Mm-hmm. It goes from that to it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually progress. I'm I, I'm not so <laughs> sure. sure expulsion is progress. Right. I w- <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> but, but maybe toleration mm-hmm. is progress, but not ideal. Right. And so maybe finally saying. Mm-hmm we're a lot alike, yeah. is progress right. and not ideal. Right. So then what do you argue is number the, the next... Right. Ma- maybe not the ideal, but sure. what's, what's the next step for us as humans? Yeah. And I also... Uh, and something I, I kind of want to address in a minute is yeah. that I'm not sure this is a thing that progresses linear, linearly. Okay, um, yeah. So something that goes in a straight line. Okay. Um, okay. And But I'll get back to that in a second. Okay, but yeah. to answer your question... Um, the next step, because all of these, and again, this is borrowing from Peter Rollins, but um, all of these uh, four ways of approaching the other all share the same basic assumption, Okay. which is that I'm right. Okay. Is that when I'm approaching this, that I'm right. So the first two is that I'm right and you're wrong. The third way, toleration, is I'm right and I don't really care if you're right or wrong. <laughs> um, and then the fourth one is, you know what, at the end of the day, we're all right. You know? And my, I think the more radical turn, and again, following within uh, Rollins and his work in pyrotheology, is how would an encounter look like with the other, and how is the radical turn going to be when we encounter the other, coming to it of like, okay, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. And not only what if I'm wrong, what if they're wrong as well? And what if we share, that is something that we do share, is that we're both wrong. In this. Oh my gosh. I don't remember when we talked about it. I don't remember mm-hmm. the both yes. the both part. Yes. And I, especially if it's not like as humans, we're mm-hmm. all entirely wrong. But right. like, what if, what if we've all missed something? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. What if we all have a lack and a gap within us and something that, um, the, our own good. Cause I think it's when we encounter the other, it, they, force us to confront the inconsistencies and the antagonisms within ourself, which then lead to one of those four ways of projecting and reacting against the other. So let's talk about this, because earlier you said mm-hmm. identifying the other in yourself or something yes. like that. Yes, Do you think we do this to ourselves, this, this, this chart? Absolutely. Um, what does that look like? Yeah, and so I think how this looks like is one of the things and one of the key insights of psychoanalysis and... Um, especially the Freudian, uh, you know, uh, branches of psychoanalysis is, uh, sort of digging up what's been unconsciously repressed and what's unconsciously been hidden. And one of the key insights of Freud is that, um, one of the things that we human beings are best at is, uh, sort of deceiving ourselves, is telling stories about ourselves, um, 
and rationalizing our own stories when um, it actually might be uh, one, one, one of the ways of approaching it is that, you know, I can tell stories about myself and think I know myself, but in actuality, can someone else know me better than I know myself? Because is of it my because actions. we're not willing to accept mm -hmm. the otherness of ourselves, so yes. we we make ourselves mm -hmm. oh. assimilate to what we think we're supposed to. Yes, yeah, for sure. And and I think we we often have these encounters in life where we are confronted with the otherness of ourselves. Oh, and man. um and this comes up what Freud would say through symptoms. And so, for example, uh, I will give a personal example. Um, I remember um, this was about a year year and a half ago. Um, I had been a few months out of grad school and moved back to North Carolina and I was living uh, just south of Raleigh and uh, I was driving into work one day and um, I was not in a great space mentally and I was yeah. just like I was going through a lot of stuff and wrestling with you know my identity outside of being a student and a scholar and like okay what am I going to do with my life now and um, and but I wasn't super like conscious about it I was just going day to day like oh no I'm fine I'm good I'm doing my own thing and I remember driving down the road and like a, a song came on the radio and it wasn't even a sad song. It was like a pop song. And for some reason, I just started weeping just out of nowhere. I just started bawling my eyes out. Okay. And I, I it, it was absurd because I like looked Where at it. Where did I was this like, come from? What happened? What? I didn't know that was it within me. What? Yeah. You know, and it was a, such a strange experience and I encounter and that is like, and in, in that moment, it's encountering the otherness. A part of you uh -huh. deeply identified mm -hmm. with the, that song in a way that another part of you didn't understand right. why. Or, or it might not have even been, had anything to do with the song. It could have just been um, just something triggered um, a reaction. And it, it, it yeah. was just like, um, and it was just encountering this otherness within myself. And that's uh, one of the things Freud says is that... Um, you know, we can lie to ourselves, but symptoms never lie. So Whoa. say fidgeting with our hands or something. What, you know, we can say one thing, but, or a twitch of the eye reveals yeah. that our bodies always are telling the truth. Um, and so I think one of the ways in which uh, it's also encountering the other, we can only know ourselves and we can only um, truly understand ourselves through the eyes of the other and through the eyes of someone outside of ourselves. Um, and it's recognizing the otherness within ourselves, I think that is key towards uh, actually having more constructive conflicts. Um, so let me stop you and ask yes. a clarifying question. Sure. When you say, know ourselves only through the eyes mm -hmm. of the other, mm -hmm. are we talking about the the capital O, other, mm -hmm. and meaning like only when encountering the obstacle mm -hmm. of the different person, yes. mutually submitting to one mm -hmm. another that we there are parts of us that are wrong. Yes. Can then they know the real us or like the, mm. or the know us better than we know ourselves. Does my yeah. friend mm -hmm. that it's different than me that yes. believes something different mm -hmm. when we both are humble enough, right? He actually knows me better than I know myself. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, is that, uh, yeah, I, and I think just encountering the other and having, uh, because one one of the ways in which I think this approach and having, you know, coming to this encounter with the other being like, okay, I could be wrong, or I'm, I'm, I might very well be wrong, um, 
what that does is it, first of all, it disarms me and it, it makes me approach it in a different way where I'm no longer engaging in the conversation, try, filtering everything you're saying through my own lens and through uh-huh. my own ideological apparatus and being like, okay, trying to win somehow. What, what you're saying here fits in this way. Ooh, but you said that and I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that in a second, you know, and I'm going to, uh-huh. going to leap on I'm going to correct you. going to correct I'm you right. there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it disarms myself from, um, from sort of engaging the other in that way and uh-huh. sort of having those defense mechanisms built up. Um, and it also disarms the other as well because I'm not in this conversation to try to convert you. I'm not in this conversation to try to convince you that I'm right or whatever. Oh, man. Um, and so... It's so good. Yeah. And so I think that that can be an avenue for more constructive conflict. And I think it also forces us to recognize and reckon with... Um, the otherness within ourselves and actually ask the tough questions of, okay, what do I actually believe? How, not only like, what do I believe, but how do I believe? And I think that's a key distinction we need to make. Um, Because we can shift the content of our beliefs all day long from one camp to another. But um, if it doesn't change the way we live in the world and how we interact in the world, then it, it really it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> well, and I think we need to admit that there are aspects of ourselves, not uh, all the things. I mean, some of the things are just what they are, but mm-hmm. some things, some aspects of ourselves, such as a belief system. Mm-hmm. If we're honest, mm-hmm. maybe we were consumed. Right. And we assimilated. Yeah. Right. Or we were expelled mm-hmm. and then responded to that expulsion. Yeah. Or we've realized that we were tolerated, mm-hmm. so we stayed hidden. Right. Or something like that, right? Exactly. So talk a little bit about how this is nonlinear. Why, oh, why right. isn't it linear? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so I think uh, this is one of the ways in which um, this applies to sort of our modern, um, if you want to say political or uh, social moment that we're in currently, is that um, the way that... I, I think one of the things that we have trouble with as a society is we don't know how to have conflict. Um, yeah. And, you you know, that might sound strange because you're like, you just turn on the TV and we'll see people have conflict all day long. Like and, that's then, sort of... and then you mis- possibly mistakenly think that the goal is no conflict. Right, right? exactly. Just like, don't, just don't argue about right. this. Don't, have con- don't, yeah. don't talk about it. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. We'll just push that away and that, all that does is it's repressing it. And, yeah. you know, again, another insight of Freud is that whatever we press by... Uh, day will arise by night, you know, okay. um, that these things will bubble up in various ways, um, whether it's through outbursts of violence or, um, you know, uh, yelling at our partner or some, some sort of thing where we then encounter the otherness within ourselves and be like, whoa, where did that come from? Or crying in a song. Or crying in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which happens more often than <laughs> I'd like to admit. That's great. Um, but yes, and, and so, uh, we tend to repress those things and, um, Getting back to your question, non-linear, though, yeah. how it's nonlinear, is that um, we tend to see society and we tend to see progress in this linear sort of way, and um, having conflict being these two opposing forces, and one's going to win out over another. And instead, how uh, how can we approach conflict, and how can we actually create spaces of constructive conflict where we have two worldviews that are uh, so radically different, but put them together, and this is using Hegelian dialectics, so explaining that is that you have a thesis, which is a statement, and by that very statement you have its antithesis, so its opposite. Um, So just a a basic example is like, God exists, 
by saying that that it, its antithesis is God does not exist. Mm-hmm. And so instead of having two camps battling out one another, which you see all the time with like, mm-hmm. you know, apologetics and mm-hmm. new atheists and all that and all these debates that go on, mm-hmm. that instead of having these two opposing forces in which one must be completely annihilated in order for the other one to arise, what happens if we put them side by side and actually hold them in tension with one another? And what Hegel, who is a... Um, a uh, theorist and philosopher um, in the eighteen early 1800s. Um, what he, uh, dialectics does is take these two and hold them in together, and what you end up coming out with is what's a synthesis, essentially. And so, um, and you come, it's like a, it's, instead of linear, it's more cyclical. Um, so you have a, think about on the top of a circle you have a thesis and then antithesis on the other side and then the more you get into the antithesis the more you come back around to a synthesis which can look like the original thesis but in just in a radically different way for a different reason for a different reason in a different way exactly how is this not i'm I'm imagining mm -hmm. someone listening might be like isn't that just kind of like isn't it kind of the shallow unity Mm. How is it not the shallow unity though? Like when you just go, all right, well, I believe there's God. Uh, you don't. How how okay. do we not just be like we came to a, another conclusion, which is humans should love each other. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that that's a fantastic question, and I think the the key comes in that where in sort of more shallow interactions of pluralism, where you have you know I believe this thing and you believe that thing, um, but let's look at the sameness of it. Uh, it's you're not actually encountering that otherness. You're not actually encountering that difference, mm-hmm. and it's um, you're actually cutting out any opportunity for conflict, because I think that fourth way is a way to uh, is conflict avoidance. Yeah, it's not actually engaging with the other. Rather, it's creating distance, and all of these ways is ways about creating distance from the other and holding the other at an arm's length, um, and not actually inviting them in. And so I think, um, by contrast, the sort of dialectic method, what it does is, no, it actually confronts you with that difference and Mm. with that uncomfortability that comes with actually engaging another in their full difference and and engaging in kind of also seeing yourself through their eyes and being like, wait, through their eyes, I'm the weirdo. Yeah. I'm the other. Yeah. Like, I'm the, I can be the monster. Like, in your eyes. Yeah. Um, Because some of the things I believe, actually, now that I think about it through your eyes, are actually really strange and really weird and really other. Um, And so that's also that encounter with the otherness of ourselves um, that we need the other in order to do. Wow, Um, Justin, this is good. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But, uh, yes, and so I think in this dialectical method, it's it's very conflict-driven. And it needs conflict. And I think that's one of the things that we need to do as a society is know how to have conflict with one another. Because, um, oh gosh, and this is, again, barring, but um, there's this phrase, I forgot who said it, but that war is the inability to have conflict. And, um, yeah, so I think... Um, war, war is, is the inability to have, have conflict. conflict. That's yes. so good. Yeah. Instead of thinking that war is conflict. Is conflict itself, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like... It's lazy. Right. Yeah. That's the lazy way. Yeah. yeah. That totally I mean, makes sense, man. Mm-hmm. Instead of actually dealing with it right. and getting through it, you just throw a grenade at it. Kill the other. Right. Get rid of them. Yeah. yeah. Instead of actually engaging and actually having that conflict with the other. Um, 
And so... So maybe, let's mm -hmm. pause there. Sure. Because what I think this is a natural transition to our conversation about pluralism. Sure. Interfaith dialogue, Mm -hmm. active engagement Mm -hmm. through differences. Right. So what I want to do is pause there and I I want to let people know about your blog. Yes. As a follow up. Yes. Um, I've been to it. I've read it, but I don't remember the name of it. It's okay. (laughs) What's the blog name? Yes. So my website um, in general is J.D. Davis Poet dot com um and there you can find my work um you you know i have a blog i have book reviews i have my photography work up there i have some poetry all of that um but i address a lot of these things in a blog post um called uh, panic at the div school oh that's right yes. yes um where i talk about my experiences at uh in graduate school uh, up in cambridge and yeah, so uh, if, if you want to read some more of my thoughts there, you can go um, check it out at jddavispoet.com. That's on all my social media as well, where you can find me. And um, again, uh, and if you want some uh, you know, different perspectives or ways of looking at some of the things we've been talking about today, mm-hmm. um, you know, I suggest uh, you know, following Peter Rollins and his work. Um, I think it's peterrollins.com. Um, and his work that he's doing with pyrotheology, um, and he has a Patreon there. You should totally go support him. Um, and uh, I think he also has a podcast called The Fundamentalists that he does with Elliot Morgan of the Valley Folk. And so if you get a chance, go over and support them as well. And um, you can hear uh, sort of a similar way, but maybe taken, or a similar thing, but maybe taken in a different way, or um, yeah, through uh, the work of Peter over there. And um, yeah, uh, so those are some ways that you can follow me or engage with this uh, stuff on a deeper level or a different level um, if you've found this interesting at all. Mm, thanks for that. Yeah. Speaking of Patreon, I'm going to do a Patreon. I'm going to do a shameless plug for myself. I've, do it. I haven't done this yet on my On Things About Things podcast. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is at the end of this concept, um, we're going to transition over and, and record one on pluralism mm-hmm. under Patreon. And Patreon is an opportunity for people to become patrons right. of somebody doing a work of some kind. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm asking of, of people, if you're if you're semi-regular or regular listener of Things About Things, to consider becoming a patron. And what that really means is financial support to make the podcast happen. And so I'm just asking for as little as a dollar a month. And what that's going to help is with... Real, on a really simple level, it'll help with website and costs associated with podcasts. But really what it's really headed towards is I want to s- save up enough money to make video teachings. Mm. becomes much more expensive if you, if you start doing videos as opposed to just pressing play on the right. on this <laughs> iPad. Um, and so you can go to patreon.com slash things about things. And that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash things about things so again it's patreon.com slash things about things and just consider uh supporting that and what you get out of that is if you become a supporter or a patron on any level um you get access to some information and to some stuff that you wouldn't get access to otherwise one of which is is the other one that we're about to record and so (laughs) and so that's when we're going to go a little bit deeper into I, i think some some deep waters of I mean, it's one thing to just refer to the other as a generic other, Mm -hmm. but what we're going to talk about after this is what is pluralism? Mm -hmm. What is it not? Right. And what is interfaith dialogue and how is that different than just becoming someone who just believes everything and whatever? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, uh, and active engagement through our differences and how can that help to 
maybe this sounds too optimistic, but to heal the world. I mean, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> sure. Um, so, so let's wrap this episode up with, mm-hmm. I mean, this, this podcast is all about simplifying a concept without sacrificing depth. Sure. How do we encounter the other, Justin? Yes. Um, I think one of the most productive ways that we can encounter the other is through um, having the humility and having the ability to come to a conversation and come with it with an open heart, an open mind, open hands, and willing to be wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And having the willingness to be wrong in your encounters with the other, and also recognizing that instead of the other being this monster, instead of the other being this um, thing that you have to destroy or, you know, or uh, tolerate, uh, tolerate or any of those categories, rather that we need the other. Wow. We need the other, if nothing more, you know, else than to know ourselves. Oh. Uh, So. As they, as they say, you nailed it. I mean, that was, (laughs) that was really well done. I just got tears in my eyes. Oh. Uh, all right. Well, I think that wraps it up for, with concept twenty-seven, encountering the other with Justin Davis. Thank you so much, man. Oh, thank so, you for having so me. So helpful. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, I'm looking forward to continuing. So yeah, you can you can be with us in the continuation of this conversation about pluralism by going to Patreon.com/slash/ThingsAboutThings and becoming a patron. And you can also go to jddavispoet.com to look at some of his work. And you can also just go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things. So thanks for listening.